Wow. It is great to be in Portadown. I have been working on my Northern Ireland accent. Portadown. It's not sounding very good. I need to keep practicing. But it's been a wonderful day and a fantastic launch. And I always want to give honor where honor's due. And I've known Phil for about seven years. And he's a great man and a great leader. And I believe he's done fantastic with his team over this past year, the past six months, in getting this place ready. And I believe God's got his hand on your life in a powerful way. And this is just the beginning. So why don't we give Phil a hand for the work that he's put in. <coughs> I can promise you he did not pay me to say that. It came out of my own free will. But, you know, I, I've been on a journey. I, I didn't just arrive as... as as a preacher. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home. In fact, my parents, they were both unchurched and met Jesus on the same day due to a man from, from Ballymena, Northern Ireland, who was sharing his testimony in England. And my mom and dad, like I say, had never stepped foot in a church before, and both of them made a decision. And then uh, not long after that, I was born, and they called me Luke Matthew Brendling, so I think they were reading the Gospels. Uh, when they gave me that name. Uh, and so they were also police officers, and, and not long after that, they became pastors too. So, so me and my brother, we had it really tough growing up. <laughs> I mean, to have parents as police officers and pastors mean that you cannot step out of line. It's tough. It was difficult. But you know, they taught us to love God and, and follow Him. And and that God would look after us. And, and I took them literally for that. And, and I remember being a young boy. And like most young boys in England, your dream is to be a professional footballer. And so I made a deal with God when I was 12 years old. And I said to God, well, if I'm going to love you, God, then you make me a professional footballer. That was my deal. And at 17 years old, my dream became a reality. And I was taken on in England at a club for one year, I uh, got to play professional, and then semi-professional for several years after that, but, but it was during that time I fell away from God, I got involved with the wrong crowd, a group of guys that like to go out and party and drink and get involved in, in fights and all sorts of stuff, and I lost everything. I went from here to the very bottom until one day a guy invited me to church and it was a similar setting to this tonight and I stood right at the back and I said I ain't going to come down the front, I'm not going to do anything silly, I'm staying at the back. But at the end of the service they did an altar call and I was the first person to come to the front and give my life to Jesus Christ and that was 14 years ago. For those of you going, wow, you look too young for that. I'm 34. I'm 35. I know I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. And it set me off on a new journey, a crazy journey. And I ended up in Bible college, and from there I started preaching. And along the way, I met my wife. I'm going to show There she is. My goodness, there is a God. There is a God. I'm married to one woman. One woman. There she is. And that's my Lisa, and, and we had a miracle child uh, nearly two years ago now. That's my Lila, Lila Hope, and I'm going to share some of my story in just a moment. But I'm just praying that as she gets older, she looks like her mum, because I do not make a good-looking woman. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. That would not be good. So anyway, I hope you're ready 
for tonight. I have a word and I want to encourage someone in here this evening. So let me pray for you and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do indeed thank you for all that you have already accomplished today in the launch of R8. But Lord, we know that it is just the beginning. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you in this place to move. I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth will encourage people, will challenge people, will inspire people. Lord, I ask that wherever they are at, they will hear from heaven tonight. May every single person leave this place different to the way they came in. Father, we are expectant. We are believing for miracles, for answers to prayer to take place in church this evening. We lift up your name in Jesus' name. And everybody said, oh, come on. Amen. That's better. Well, the title of my message is this. Take the limits off. Take the limits off. January 2006, I had just arrived in Sydney, Australia to begin Bible college. It was my first weekend there, and as Phil already alluded to, I enjoy lifting weights. And, and on this particular Saturday night, I decided to, to say a small, trivial prayer to God. I was on a budget. I didn't have much money. I loved the church, but, but as much as I love church, I also enjoy keeping fit. And so I wanted to join a gym, but I didn't have the finance to do that. So I said a small, insignificant prayer that God would somehow bless me with a set of weights. I thought nothing else about it. The next morning I woke up, I had a one-mile walk to church. It was my first Sunday at Hillsong Church. I was so excited. I was walking down the street when all of a sudden a white pickup truck pulled up alongside me. And sitting in the car was a rather large, muscular man. He wound down his window and he said, Are you going to church? Would you like a lift? Now, my parents have always taught me to never get in a car with a stranger. But judging by his Hillsong t-shirt and Bible on the dashboard, I thought that he may just be okay. And so I jumped into to the car and, um, and we started to have a, a, a conversation. His name was Dave. And as we pulled into the car park, he said, Luke, I don't know why I'm saying this. I have never done this before, but I feel like God is telling me to bless you with a set of weights. Really? Did you hear that? He said, I, I, I did. Two weeks later, Dave came round to my house, and he brought me a brand new bench, a set of weights, some dumbbells. It was the full works. Now, how amazing is that? Oh, I thought it was pretty good myself. I'm going to come back to that story later, but turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And they're going to put it up on the big uh, ported down Bible behind me. There it is. Matthew chapter 5, it says this, when, uh, chapter 8, verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. 
Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Then Jesus said to the centurion in verse 13, Go, let it be done just as you believed that it would. And his servant was healed that very hour. We live in a world which is dominated by limits. When you leave your house in the morning and you get into your car, your journey will be governed by a speed limit. When you park up at the car park, there will be a limit as to how long you can leave your car there. When you walk into the shops, there will be a limit on how much you want to spend and how much you can spend. For some of you men, there will be a limit from your wife as to how long you can play on your Xbox. You see, that's just nervous laughter because I'm speaking truth in that moment right there. You see, life is full of limits. Limits can be defined as the furthest boundary. Now, often limits are there to protect you, but too many limits can also restrict you especially when we transfer those physical limits over to our spiritual limits. When the boundaries we have acclimatized to in our day-to-day living slowly sink into our day-to-day thinking. When the daily routine becomes so comfortable that the radical faith you once had has now taken a back seat. When the busyness and demands of life begin to control such mundane methods that we give God no space to work in your day at all. And we wonder why we are stuck. But the disciples learn. That following Jesus each day, if you stay close to him, will force you to take the limits off your faith, the limits off your actions, and the limits off your thinking. I think about the time when, when, when Jesus was out, in, uh, when the disciples, sorry, were out on stormy waters and Jesus appeared and started walking on the water and he called to them to come, but only one man, only one man, and that man was Peter. Only Peter was, was brave enough to remove the limitations on his mind, dangle his foot off the side of the boat and start walking on the water to Jesus. He was the only man man who did it. And because of that, he was the only man that experienced what that felt like, all because he took the limits off. Do you know, if you allow your past experiences uh, to limit today's expectation, then that will stop you living the life that God has called you to live. I'll say that again, if you allow your past experiences to limit today's expectations, then that will stop you living the life that Christ has called you to live. 
Now, perhaps you'd say, well, Luke, it's okay for you. God, God didn't answer my prayer in the way I thought he had. And maybe God didn't come through on the time scale you gave him. And maybe you didn't get the job. And maybe that relationship didn't last. Or your finances run dry. And subconsciously, you have put a limit on God. And, and, and you don't even realize you've done it. There are doubts to your faith that he will show up and turn your situation around. You are overwhelmed. You are exhausted. You are frustrated. And as a result, your faith has been restricted, reduced, and restrained. You have convinced yourself that God is confined to a box that he cannot break out of. That where you currently find yourself in life is where you have to stay. But I have to remind you that God can change things. God can change things. But so can you. So can you. It is your outlook that determines your outcomes. If you look at the obstacle, it will be an obstacle. If you look at it as an opportunity, then it will be an opportunity. God is not limited. You cannot put a fence around him. You cannot put him in a cage. You cannot tie him up on a lead. My God is so high that you cannot get over him. He is so deep that you cannot get under him. He is so wide that you cannot get around him. He is so smart that you cannot understand him. He is so powerful that you cannot contain him. He is so sovereign that you cannot elect him. He is God all by himself. And he loves you. I'm just warming up. You can relax. <laughs> he loves you. In fact, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, this is what, what God says. It says that, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, that's good news, because that tells me that no matter where you are, no matter what your current situation looks like, God has taken time to prepare things for you. He's prepared things for you that you do not even know about. Wow. The question is this, are you ready? Are you willing to take the limits of your faith to experience what God has set aside for you? Do you really believe that God can do the impossible in your life? Someone who did believe that was this centurion. He knew how to get the attention of Jesus and how to activate his miracle. And so tonight, I want to give you three quick keys on how you can take the limits of your faith. Is that okay? Okay, I'll just go home. That's fine. The first thing is this, that we learn from that passage of text. Number one, if you are going to take the limits of your faith, you need to come as you are. Come as you are. Verse five, it says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Do you know, a centurion was a Roman soldier, an officer in charge of around 100 soldiers. This man, he was a Gentile, a foreigner. He was considered an outsider. He was a part of the Roman Empire that would, that would enforce taxes and worship of their gods and, and their emperors. It was also the Romans that would soon beat, whip, flog, and crucify Jesus Christ. These Romans were not the most popular. 
popular people in this part of town. But this man of authority was different to the rest. He was different. He had a respect for who Jesus was. And despite what tradition and what customs would have taught him, he approaches Jesus for help. Oh, that should encourage someone in here tonight. For it shows us this, that despite who we are, who we are connected to, what your background is, what people may say about you, what your ethnicity is, what your social status is, what your history is, what your doubts are, that you can still boldly approach the presence of Jesus and ask him for help. It is a clear reminder that Jesus Christ belongs to all people. Oh, I know that as Christians, we have a tendency to always want to put on our best. We, 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 we don't like to admit when we are in trouble, when we have made mistakes, when we are doubting our faith or even questioning that there is a God, as we are often too concerned about what other people may think of us. Oh, what would they think of me? Or may, would they stop liking me or, or not invite me to that social gathering? Or, or would they unfollow me on social media? I know this stuff is real today. You see, we like to hide things and push things down for fear of what others may think of us or, or, or being fearful of being hurt in the process. And I'm sure that we can all admit to wrestling with these thoughts. But here is what I love about my God. You do not have to be like that with him. His love for you is different to man's love. People fall in and out of love like they fall in and out of clothes. One minute you're the best person on the planet, the next minute they don't want to be associated with you. I've seen people love someone today that they hate tomorrow. Man's love can be so fickle sometimes. But God's love, God's love is different. He knew everything about you before you were even formed inside of your mother's wombs. womb. He knew your failures, your imperfections, your mistakes. He knows the things you think and the things you wish you didn't think. He knows the stuff you've done and the stuff you wish you hadn't done. God sees a side of you that no one else sees, but my Bible says he loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. Oh, he's not expecting you to have everything in order before you come into church or before you walk into his presence. He says, come as you are. Come as you are. Hebrews 4, 15 tells us that we are to approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in, in our time of need. Jesus says in Matthew 11 that we are to come to him, all who are weary and feeling burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you know you will live a limited life if you stay as you are, but you will live a limitless life if you come as you are. If you come as you are. Oh, I wonder, are you coming with me tonight? You see, one of the key ingredients to living a big, full, and faith-filled life for Christ is to come to Him daily, is to seek Him. No matter how far you've drifted, how ashamed you feel, or how guilty you are, whether you've never met Jesus or you've known Him for a lifetime, you must Find your way to the feet of Jesus. 
Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. To him who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened unto you. Do you know there is no such thing as seeking without finding when it comes to God. You see, when I play hide and seek with my little girl, sometimes I like to change the rules. I know I'm a bad man, so don't judge me for this. But when I hear her coming, just sometimes, I may move to another location. And when I hear her coming again, just so the game lasts a bit longer, I move to another location. I can keep moving so that my little girl never finds me. But this is not how God operates. You see, God doesn't change the rules. God doesn't switch up the protocol. God doesn't move location. He doesn't say, you're not good enough to get my attention. He doesn't say, you haven't spoken to me for six months, so why should I answer you today? He doesn't say, I saw what you were up to last night, so why don't you come and ask me for what you need next week? No, my God says, seek me and you will find me. Knock and the door will be answered unto you. Friends, you must learn to pray because God hears your every prayer. That is why prayer is so vital in your life. It is the greatest weapon that you have. Prayer is what gets you prepared to do God's will. It is the key to unlocking all that God has prepared for you. It has the power to see you healed from the sick, made whole from your brokenness, and set free from those shackles of doubt, insecurity, and lust that have kept you bound. Do not underestimate the power of prayer. Make time to seek Him. He is not too hard to find. In fact, He is waiting on you to show up. Thank you very much. I'll come back next year, Phil, because of that person. The centurion caught the attention of God. The centurion saw his miracle come to pass. The centurion took the limits off his faith because he walked into the presence of Jesus as he was. Come as you are. The second key that is going to help you take the limits off your faith is this. Number two is that you need to have a heart for other people. Have a heart for others. Despite the fact that this man was a Gentile, a Roman soldier, a man of authority. He was also a compassionate master, a considerate citizen, and a lover of God. I find it quite striking that not only did he go out of this way to encounter Jesus, but he did so on behalf of another person. And not any person, he did it on behalf of his servant. His servant, the man that was instructed to serve him, the master went out of his way to help his servant. I mean, let me put it like this. Could you imagine that you are at home and you're sick? You're not feeling too well, but you have some friends that are coming in from another country. They are flying into Belfast Airport. 
but, but you're too sick to, to go and get them. So, so your boss, your CEO, your clinical lead, your, your chief constable, your head teacher, your, your employer, your senior pastor, he says, it's okay, he or she, it could, he or she, you know, both, man, film. I'll go, I'll go pick up your friends. You stay at home. I know I've had a, a busy day and a lot of meetings, but you stay. You stay and rest. And so your boss, I mean the big boss, the big, big boss, okay? He, he goes or she goes and they go to the airport and they pick up your friend. And, and on the way home, they want them to experience the, the fullness of life at, at, at Portadown City Center. So they stop by at the Seagull Hotel. He wants them to get some good steak. So they eat and, and they have a wonderful time of, of fellowship. And, and then your boss goes one step further. He says, hang on, I need to go to Boots so he can get some Lemsip. So that when he gets back to you, he, he says, I'll nurse you for the night. I'll look after you for the night. I'll stick around until you get better. Now, I know some of you are smiling because you know that will never happen. And I know some of you are being quite naughty right now because you're praying that that would happen. I can read your mind. I can see it. But this is, in essence, what the centurion has chosen to do. It was not all about his position. It was about placing the needs of others before his own. Surely, when he approached Jesus, he could have changed up the agenda. He could have asked Jesus to bless him. Bless me. Use me. Help me. Instead, he decided in his heart that he was going to be a servant to his servant by going to the ultimate servant who would serve up a miracle to the sick servant that was lying at home. That's a lot of serving. That's a lot of serving. But here's my point. The centurion lifted the limits off of his faith because he made sure that it wasn't all about him. Turn to your neighbor and say, take the limits off. Now turn to your least favorite neighbor and say, take the limits off. <laughs> you know, one of the greatest commandments given by Jesus was to love your neighbor as yourself. Treat other people as you want to be treated. And Jesus demonstrates this in John chapter 13. And let me give you the backdrop as to what is happening here. Jesus knew that his time on earth was drawing to a close and that very soon one of his own disciples that was sitting around that table was going to betray him. This, this meal was just hours before his crucifixion. But Jesus wanted to demonstrate to his disciples the extent of his love and how you should love other people. So the Bible says that, that as they ate together, Jesus got up from the table. He took his outer garment off. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And he got down in the ground to wash the feet of his disciples. Now, I don't know if it's just me, but if I knew I only had a few hours to live, I'm not sure that the first thing I would want to do is get down on the ground and wash my friend's feet. I mean, think of all the things you want to do before you die. 
Today we call it a bucket list. Whether that's wanting to go on safari or, or climb a mountain, or see the northern lights or trek across the Sahara Desert. I used to live next door to a guy called David who set the world record for being the oldest man on the planet to jump out of an aeroplane, 78 years old, at 30,000 feet. We all want to do crazy things. We want to experience an adrenaline rush, but Jesus in his final hours chose to get down on the ground and wash his disciples' feet, feet that were about to betray him, feet that were about to deny him, feet that were about to dis disown him. Jesus got down and washed their feet. That's love. That's love. But that's another message. I can't preach that tonight. I'll never go home. You see, Jesus made it clear that unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And he said this in that chapter 13, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them, do you know a limited life focuses on yourself, on your own wants and your own desires. A limitless life puts other people first. It demonstrates compassion, encourages the brokenhearted, lifts the head of the weary. It does things outside of your comfort zone, like stopping by the side of a road to give someone a lift to church. It does things like staying up with your friend all night, who even though you've had a full day at work, it means you missing your train because someone you don't even know is crying on the platform. It means following Jesus even when the route he has taken you down makes no sense. It means loving your family even though people have turned their back on them. It means keep believing in your children even though they continue to do wrong. You see when your heart lines up with the heart of God then limitless faith is released. It is released. When you choose to serve someone, when you choose to help someone, when you choose to pray for someone, you are releasing faith in your life that shall not return void. Oh, this is good news. Is this helping you tonight? The third and final point as I bring this to a close and perhaps the band can come forward. Is this number three. If you're going to take the limits off your faith, then you need to believe beyond doubt. Don't watch the band, watch me, I know they're better looking, but hey. The centurion, he was a man that understood Jesus' authority. In the same way he commanded soldiers under his charge, he knew without doubt that anything Jesus commanded would just happen, that that sickness would be healed. He realized that he was in the presence of someone extraordinary, a man that possessed the power of heaven and earth on his inside. He was standing alongside the miracle maker, and all he had to do was just believe in him, and his servant would be healed. It was as simple as that. 
So simple that Jesus made a big deal of it. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was astonished by this man's faith. I mean, how amazing would it be if your faith could astonish Jesus? Well, it can. You just have to believe that what Jesus says is true. That is all Jesus wants from us. Simple faith. And we can all have it. You don't have to be rich, smart, strong, experienced, pass a class in theology to have faith. God made it so simple that we can all have it. It is available to everyone. Hebrews 11 says that faith is being sure of the things hoped for and certain of the things you do not see. Another translation says that faith is the, is the tangible evidence. It's the tangible evidence, the tangible evidence that you believe it can happen. You may not see it yet, you may not have the proof yet, but you believe it can happen. That's faith. And this centurion had figured it out to the point where Jesus said, go, go, your servant will be healed just as you believed he would. Oh church, I wonder tonight, what do you believe in God for? What are you hoping that God is going to do through this church? What are you believing He's going to do in this city? What prayers do you need to start praying again? What faith do you need to muster? And it doesn't even have to be big faith. Because my Bible tells me that faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. I promise I'm bringing this to a close. But I told you a story. At the start of my message, about a small, faith-filled prayer I prayed one Saturday night in Sydney, Australia, about a set of weights, and how this man blessed me with them. Now, as much as God was showing me that he does care about the small things, the small things in your life that no one else sees, no one else knows about, those personal desires that are close to your heart, that wasn't the only lesson here. He was teaching me something far greater. It wasn't a lesson in gym equipment. It wasn't a lesson about material possessions. It was a lesson in faith. For if I could trust God with the small things, then how much more would I trust Him for the big things? If God could answer me on something so minuscule, then how much more would I hold on to him for something more meaningful? It was my faith that was getting a workout. It was my faith that was getting stretched. It was my faith getting me prepared for April 2015 when my wife and I would walk into the hospital room expecting to bring home our first miracle child. But as my wife had her, her name was Elle, God's perfection. She was born without a beating heart. She was born with no breath in her lungs. It was my faith that was getting me prepared for the journey that I was about to go on that would push every fiber of my being into trusting God when it doesn't make sense. It was my faith that was getting me ready 
to pray every day for the next 14 months that we would conceive again and then pray every single day, morning and night, that at the end of nine months, this time, this time the outcome would be different. It was my faith that when we got to the hospital on that day and my little Lila was born with severe breathing difficulties and she was rushed into intensive care and as my wife was cut open on the table, they found two cysts on her ovaries, one the size of a grape, one the size of a grapefruit, blood everywhere, rushed into emergency surgery. It was my faith that kicked in as I watched my world collapse around me again. But it was my faith in that moment that reminded me of God's goodness, that if He would come through with a set of weights, then He could bring my girls home, that He could make a way even when there seems to be no way. Oh, what do you do when you can't see a way out? What do you do when you can't see a way forward? What do you do when you're completely helpless? I'll tell you what you do. You pray. You pray. You pray. And you pray big. Because praying big and praying bold takes the eyes off yourself and onto our Father in heaven. Praying bold prayers takes the limit of your faith. Oh, to have some faith. To have real faith. Faith that goes into the ditches with you. Faith that walks in the hospital with you. Faith that stands up when everyone else is falling down. Faith that pulls you through. Faith that shouts loudly, you can do it. You can do it. God's got this. Oh, to have some faith. Somebody in church tonight needs to start taking the limits off and ask God again for your healing. Ask God to defeat your giants. Ask God to part your sea. Ask God to walk through the fire with you. Oh, you may have been told, like Lisa and I have been told on many occasions, that you will never have children. But don't let that stop you believing for your miracle. You may not have had the greatest education, but don't let that stop you building your own business. You may have failed more times than you can count, but don't you give up on your dream. You may have hit a bump in the road, but tonight I want to encourage you to take the brakes off your faith and go again. It is time to take the limits off. It is time to take the limits of your dreams, the limits of your expectations, the limits of your prayers. The Bible says, you have not because you ask not, that everything is possible to him who believes. Oh, my God is a good God. My God is a loving God. He is a God that cannot fail. And he is waiting on you today to take the limits of your faith. Because when you do, you will hear the words, go. It will be done just as you believed it would. Come on, church, if you believe it tonight, stand to your feet and let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. Let's praise Him like we mean it. Come on, church, lift His name high. That's it, your name.